Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. And today I'm going to be looking at a series. I'm starting this this week and then finishing off next week. So you're part of a two-part series called Behind the Scenes. How many of you know that God sometimes works behind the scenes of our life, even when we, it doesn't feel like it? We, we're often type as people, we're people who want to see everything evident of what God is doing all the time in our lives. We're looking for the fruit of, has God done this? Has he given me that job yet? Has he given me the thing I've prayed for yet? And we're always looking. It's good to look and be thankful for what God's doing, but sometimes we've got to be thankful for the things we don't see. You see, God, I believe, is working behind the scenes of all of our lives, even when we've got no idea he's doing it. In fact, he's doing things that you don't know even now on your heart. This afternoon, today he's been dealing with people's hearts right now, here today. And he's saying, I'm doing something that you can't see the benefit just yet. I'm a person, Emma loves to go to West End Theatre Productions, and if we ever go, I love to get into a position, a seat, where I can see people running around in the back, or trying to set up things, because I love to see behind the scenes what's going on. And some of us in our lives today, we like that, we, we want to see behind the scenes, but sometimes we've not got the, the seat, the position to see it, because God doesn't want us to see everything, what he's up to. And I want to encourage you today that God can do more sometimes behind the scenes of what you realize. Second Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says this, For we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. How many of you know we're always looking for what we can see with our eyes? But Paul says, don't look at what you can see. Look at what you can't see. Second Corinthians 4, verse 18, Paul, Apostle Paul says this again. He says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, I don't know if you're, uh, if you're a good a church or you believe in Jesus or not, but listen to me. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, he says he's going to put his spirit on the inside of you. That means we're supernaturally living. We're living by the spirit. We begin to understand and see things in the spiritual realm rather than in the flesh. You see, I know before I became a Christian, one thing I did is I always looked at what I could see. But now sometimes when I can't see things happening, I know that God is doing something in the spirit. Amen? And you've got to accept that today. When you start to live life by the spirit, sometimes you ain't going to see things happen. And listen to me, you've got to rejoice when you can't see anything. It's almost like you're blind. It's like, oh, I'm going to give you my life, Jesus, for you to do things. You've got to trust him. And do you know, through the years I've known Jesus has took me on a direction and a path. And I've had to trust him sometimes when things haven't gone the direction or the way that I think they should go. I mean, we always think we can do it better. But Jesus takes us in his direction. You've got to live life by the spirit. That means you live on not what's seen. The eternal things. The Bible says that he will set eternity in our hearts. In other words, something happens when you get saved. When you give your life to Jesus, his spirit comes on the inside of you. Eternity is set in. You're not living anymore for this 
temporal world. There is a point in time which we'll all die. But he says, I want to let you live for what's eternal. When you give your life to Jesus, boy, oh boy, you start this spiritual journey. Your spirit has come alive. We live for what we can't see sometimes in faith. I want to look today at the book of Esther and next week looking at this story. If you've never read the book of Esther, I believe it's full of God working behind the scenes. It's full of a story of God working on the inside in different places and scenarios in this story. If you've never heard the story, I want to encourage you. We're just looking, we're just dipping in this. But listen, go away and read the book of Esther in this next week. If you're thinking, what do I read? I don't know what to read in my Bible. Read the book of Esther before you come back next week. And then you'll be encouraged as we open up the scriptures and learn. You see, the book of Esther talks about a young, a young Jewish girl who becomes the queen alongside King Xerxes. She's put into a position where she can have some influence to this king. This king is in an area in what you would call modern day Iran. And in this place called Susa, today it's called Sush, in this particular place where Esther was, She was alongside the king. But at that time, there was a man called Haman. And you'll see him in a minute. This man called Haman was out to annihilate the Jews. He was out to annihilate the people of God. I don't know if you've ever turned on the news before. You'll see that the same spirit in Iran is still there today. They talk and claim of annihilation of the nation of Israel. It's still there. The same spirit is still there that wants to bring destruction upon the people of God. But how many of you know that when God declares something his, he will not let it be destroyed? There is always in our lives a Haman. There's an enemy. In fact, the Bible says we've got an enemy, Satan. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. It's the same thing as what Haman had. He had this spirit against destroying what God was doing. Then there's another character, and we're going to read about him in a minute. His name's Mordecai, Uncle Mordecai. He's Esther's uncle. He's outside the gates. And he's longing to see God move in this place where the people have been attacked, the people of God. And he's longing and crying out to God that God would bring rescue in this particular situation. Let's look at Esther 4, verse 1 to 17. It says this, When Mordecai learned... Of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to her to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. 
So Hattak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and to explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence, to beg for mercy and plead with him, for her people. Hattak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed, she said, since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported back to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. I want to talk today, this particular part of the story is just when Haman has kind of got the king, this bad character has got the king to write an edict and send it out into Susa for all these exiles, these Jewish exiles to say that your time's come, that you're going to be annihilated and you've got an, a year to sort this out, but you're going to be annihilated. And so right there and then, Uncle Mordecai, this, this Jewish man thinks, I need to do something. And we see here, the first thing he does is he comes to cry to God for help. I want to talk to you today because I think one of the first things that we need to realize is in our lives sometimes that there is breaking points. Part one of today's message is this, the breaking point. In other words, there are points in our lives when we feel like we're at breaking point. I don't know if you feel like that today. I don't know if you've got into a position in your life where you feel you're at breaking point. Maybe there's depression. Maybe there's people here today who feel like they're at the lowest of the low. There's no way of recovery. There's no way of ever getting back from this place of feeling so low. Sometimes you feel like you can't even get out of bed on the morning. Just to open the curtains and to go out and do your daily functions is a big task. Some of us sometimes are at breaking point. I want to talk to you today because I believe that God is the God of breakthrough. He is the God of breakthrough even when we're at breaking point. Amen? Do you believe that? If you don't understand that yet, I'm going to help you to understand it today. Because I believe that God does not want you to be like that. Number one today, that we see there's three things I want to bring in. The first is this. There is breakthrough in our brokenness. There is breakthrough in our brokenness. 
Esther chapter 4 verse 1 says this, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, in other words, he'd received this edict. It's like receiving this bad email that says everything that's going to happen to you. He receives this edict. What does he do? The first thing he does when his life is breaking apart, he is facing annihilation. He says he tore his clothes. I don't know about you, but if we started tearing our clothes every day when things went wrong, we won't have many clothes left. The amount of things that goes wrong for me sometimes, I won't have many clothes. If I got the scissors out every time and I started cutting up my clothes and ripping them, Emma wouldn't be too happy with me. I know my children would love to rip my clothes sometimes and they'd love a pair of scissors on my jeans. You, you give my children scissors, they're lethal. They'll cut anything up. But listen to me, some of us sometimes, we feel inside when we feel so low, like tearing things. We feel like getting to this place of breaking things. And listen, Mordecai was in this position where he not only tore his clothes, but it says he put on his head ashes and he put on sackcloth. Mordecai gets to this position and he says, I'm going to tear my clothes. I'm in a position where I can't. I need to let people see how broken I am. And I'm going to put on the ashes too. How many of you know if you put ashes on you, you're not going to look too good? There he was outside the king's gate. Not at home, in the bedroom, just trying out wearing the sackcloth. No, he was in a public place before the king. The king's gate, you can't get much. You imagine going down to Buckingham Palace wearing sackcloth and covering yourselves in ashes. Most people go outside um, Buckingham Palace, they take selfies and they're in the best clothes. You don't want to go to public places in front of the, the king's palace in sackcloth, but he chooses to do that. Listen to me today. Some of us sometimes need to break in order for God to do what he's about to do next. You see, Jesus... Today, he's saying to you right now, the Spirit of God, he's saying, I'm going to bring you to your place of brokenness, not because I'm going to crush you, because I'm going to do something amazing. You see, Jesus was crushed for your iniquities, bruised. He took the crown of thorns on his head. He carried the cross. We've heard it this morning. He took the pain and the shame for you. Why? For the joy that was set before him. Because he knew, he knew that the promise was to come, that children of God would come to him through his pain and his suffering. When something looks like it's about to be crushed, God's in the business about doing something big. See, the enemy doesn't want you to get to that place. In Gethsemane, Jesus is at a position where he's praying. And at that moment, the enemy's coming saying, look, you're, you're going to be crushed. Don't bother with this. And all the time he's waiting for his disciples to help him pray. And all the time he's there praying, intently sweating like drops of blood for you. Crushed. He's about to be crushed. But what does he know inside his heart? That if he goes for the joy that's set before him, if he endures this, it's going to bring many sons and daughters to glory. Hallelujah. Many sons and daughters. You see, you're the fruit today. Do you know that? When you come here and you sing your songs, when you come here and you enjoy coming to church, you are the fruit of what he was praying in that garden. How can I do this, Lord? How can I do this? Then all of a sudden, I believe the Father would have shown him your faces. 
He would have shown him the future. He'd have said, son, just keep going. Because this cup is worth it. Every time you feel broken, listen to me. God is in the business of doing something massive and huge in your life. It's a sign. There's breakthrough in our brokenness. I put here that desperation is not the evidence of your total destruction. But it is a step towards your reconstruction. You see, people sometimes think that when you're desperate, when you're in a place of desperation, that actually, that's it, there's nothing left. But listen to me, when you get desperate for God, when you're in a place where you're on your knees crying, when you're tearing your clothes, when you feel so low, there's no other hope, when you feel like that, listen to me, this is the place where you're on your place to reconstruction. God is saying, I'm going to reconstruct you. And you're going to be stronger. You're going to be stronger. The enemy wants you to believe that you're in a deconstructive state. You see, it's God who is doing something huge inside of you that no one can see behind the scenes. Come on, guys. He's doing something amazing for you behind the scenes. Charles Spurgeon once said this. I love this. Whenever God means to make a man great, he always first breaks him into pieces. I don't know about you today, but I want to be broken into pieces. I want to be broken up so there's nothing left of me. Less of me and more of him. Less of me and more of him. So many of us are trusting in our own abilities, our own strength. And he says to you today by his spirit, listen, stop trusting in yourself. Trust in me. Let him break you to pieces. It's one of the best things you're going to ever have. Because when he puts you back together again, he'll put it back a lot better than you can. Oh, he'll put it back together a lot better than you can. See, if I try to stick together a, a smashed vase, if my wife, she always says this to the kids, it's broken, daddy will fix it, he's got some super glue. I, I've got so many things on the shelf that I'm supposed to be gluing. If I glue them, they always never look the same. Everything, I've got tons of stuff at home that should be glued, it's never been done. But I say, yeah, daddy will do it. Sometimes we just can't piece things back together, but he can. You see, he breaks you so that he can start again. He uses the good things, gets rid of the rubbish. He's going to make you grit if you let him break you to pieces. You see, our desperation can sometimes appear as a limitation. When you're desperate and you're in the place of desperation, sometimes that can feel like you've limited yourself. Oh no, I'm no longer this person who's coming to church looking really happy and really strong. I'm no longer looking like this person who's on fire for Jesus. Because I'm desperate. I'm broken. Listen to me, there is still an ability for breakthrough. You see, what happened is this. When Mordecai, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but when Mordecai makes the decision to tear his clothes on this news, to get into this position, do you know what happens next? He says he could only go as far as the king's gate. He could only get to the king's gate. Now he couldn't go any further. Do you know why? Because the scripture tells us just straight after this, that if he wasn't wearing sackcloth and ashes, he could go into the court. But he made a choice to limit himself. He made a choice to wear the sackcloth and ashes. Have you ever been to one of the, I've been to a dinner once and they, I, I showed up in jeans and they told me, you know, you can't wear those kind of things here. You have to wear trousers. 
We don't like that, do we? But this is what I want to wear. There was a dress code, access. You can't wear sackcloth and ashes. We don't want that type of people around here. So he makes a choice. He's now limited himself for the access to who? The king who can change the decision. Sometimes when you're desperate and you are broken, listen to me very clearly. You get into a place where you look like you've just limited yourself. The enemy is saying to you, why are you doing that? Try in your own strength. And we limit ourselves. We don't give ourselves access. Do you know why he did this? Because who did he trust more? The king of kings, not the king Xerxes. You see, he trusts the king of kings before him. Listen to me, whatever you've limited yourself with in your desperation, however it's made you look, however it's made you feel, listen to me, you now have access to the king of kings. You see, in sackcloth and ashes, there's something that happens. You see, God looks down on that and he sees someone who's in repentance, someone who's in mourning, someone who's recognizing that they trust God rather than the kings of the earth. You see, you don't limit yourself. The enemy wants you to think that you've limited yourself. You never limit yourself when you put God first. Put him first. He only went as far as the king's gate, verse 2, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. He creates this natural barrier but in the spirit oh listen to me in the spirit he's just created a natural barrier he can't enter the court he can't go in and i bet people will look at him saying if only you just wear something normal you'd be able to go in and shout about what you want to shout about but now he's limited himself in the natural how many of you know in the supernatural something huge was taking place (laughs) something huge was taking place and for you today there are things that you've put god first trusting him you could have done other things and it's limited you and where it's limited you you're saying i don't know if you're there god and god's saying listen to you listen to me this morning you must know that in the supernatural you've just given open access you're just opening access to something to see things in the supernatural realm not the natural realm (laughs) come on who's excited today i am Because I'm not relying on what I can see anymore. I'm relying on when I trust my God that he's with me. And he's opening doors for me and barriers that no one else can see. King's gate. I wouldn't be worried about that. Not when I come before the king. And I say I'm going to deny myself access because I'm going to trust in the king of kings. He put on this sackcloth and ashes. I want to encourage you today. There is breakthrough in your brokenness. Don't let the enemy tell you that when you break and you get on your knees and that you're crying out to him, that you're crying out with everything to him. Listen to me. When you get in that position, it's a position of breakthrough because the enemy doesn't like it. You see, if you're not in that position and you're trusting in yourself, the enemy knows he's got you right where he wants you. Am I speaking to people this morning? God wants to speak to people in here. I know he does. Because the enemy's been at work to bring destruction and annihilation. The Spirit of God's here right now. Jesus. Our barriers, you know, they can be a blessing that define us. <laughs> when you create these natural barriers for yourself and you're saying, I've just limited myself. Do you know what happens? You, they define you. Your own barriers that you've just created are now going to define who you are. There is breakthrough. In our brokenness.
Then it says this. Now listen to this. Don't, don't lose me. Esther chapter 4, verse 4, it says this. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. Now listen, do you think she was in distress because of the edict that had gone out? No, she was in distress. We see it right here. It says she sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth. And then this is what he says, but he would not accept them. What happens here? Is Esther, in this moment of distress, seeing Mordecai outside the gate wearing sackcloth and ashes, knowing that he's upset. What happens? This great Christian girl comes up. This great Jewish girl comes up and says, listen Mordecai, I've got, got a good change of clothes. I've got a good change of clothes for you. I know that I saw you out the window tearing your clothes. Check out this. Just, just put on this and then you can come in. If you're upset, you can come through the gates. Here's a change of clothes. But what does he say? He would not accept them. Why? Listen to me today. There are people, Christians in our lives that try to stop us from being broken. They say, oh, you shouldn't feel like that. You've got to feel good. Sometimes people, you can't feel low. You can't feel like this. Check out, take the clothes and come on in. Let's, t- let's talk about this. Listen to me. Don't accept the clothes. Don't accept this. Because what's happening is the enemy uses people. He even used Peter. When Peter was declared a rock. Later on, you read in Matthew chapter 16, I think it is. When he's declared a rock later on, he's even telling him, saying, get behind me, Satan. In other words, sometimes... People in our lives around us are trying to offer us the clothes to make us get from our place of brokenness so that we said, you know what? Actually, this, this kind of crying out desperation to God, it's, it's not really worth it, is it? I'm just going to put on a brave front and I'm going to accept these clothes. I'm going to put on the jacket and I'm going to come to church and I'm going to feel good. No one's going to know how I'm feeling inside. I know I'm broken, but I'm going to try. And the best thing to do now is to tell myself that I'm doing well. Okay. I'm going to get one of those books, Five Steps to How to Succeed. I'm going to, I'm going to start making myself, I'm going to put more makeup on to cover the bags under my eyes. I don't wear makeup. But the women, I'm going to hide how I'm feeling. I'm going to hide how I'm feeling. I'm going to come and I'm going to put on this garments because I don't want to make myself look like I'm broken. Listen to me. Do not accept the clothes. Because when you're in the place of brokenness, God is doing something. Listen to me, Christians, let people be broken sometimes. Because I'll tell you, we're going to see something happen in this house. When people start to get desperate on their knees and start getting broken for Jesus Christ, you're going to see revival come like you know. Do you know, revival's not going to come by us singing really well. Revival's not going to come in this house by us coming and saying, we want revival. In our best clothes. Revival's not going to happen like that. Revival happens when you break. When you're on your knees. When you're crushed. When you're in that place of saying, I'm desperate for you. I want your breath in me, not my breath. You're my daily bread. Don't accept the clothes. See, when people are 
offer you the clothes. Do you know what they are sometimes? They don't realize it. They're passion killers. They're passion killers. They try to kill off passion in you. When you're in a place of brokenness, you know what's happening? You're passionate for God. You're saying, God, I need you. And when you're in that place, people come up and what happens is, these are good people. They just try to dilute your passion. They try to dilute your passion. Listen to me. Don't accept the clothes. The ashes is enough. Sometimes in my job when I used to work, some colleagues have said to me, I'd talk to them about God. I'd talk to them about coming to all the meetings and crying out to God and the stuff that we'd see. People would say to me, you're just going a little bit over the top. It's just a bit too much. Isn't that fanaticism? Isn't that going a little bit too far? Listen, you can never go too far. You can never go too far. You go to the local football ground on a Saturday, a premiership football ground, you'll see that people are passionate. People are raising their hands. People are singing the songs. People are following something. Listen to me, if the church can't do it, who can? Don't let someone kill your passion. Watch out for the passion killers. Oh, they'll come. You're looking a little bit low these days. I think you just need to cheer up. No, but I'm broken. I'm just crying out to God at the moment. Yeah, no, but lift yourself up, man. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling like a breakthrough at the moment. I've been in prayer and, yeah, but you know, you've got to be happy for the Lord. Be full of the joy of the Lord. Sometimes you can't be full of the joy of the Lord because God is breaking you. Sometimes when people are broken, was Jesus full of the joy of the Lord when he was sweating blood? No. There was something inside of him that was developing him supernaturally. And sometimes there is a time for everything, it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. There is a time sometimes for you to feel like that. But God is doing something behind the scenes. Passion killers. Watch for them. We even see it, I've put it here, just to show you an example. There's a great story in 2 Kings 18 of King Sennacherib. And he's pursuing Hezekiah. And he's getting to the place of about to take a siege on Jerusalem. He never, did you know, he never captures Jerusalem. Because God's hand was with them. But this is what he says. He sends a message to Hezekiah. This is what the great king, the king of Assyria says. On what are you basing? On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have the counsel and the might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Listen to me today. The same voice of the enemy is coming today saying, who are you putting your trust in? You're too low. You're in defeat. We're about to take siege of Jerusalem. You can't win this fight. You can't win the fight. You hear these voices. And what is the enemy trying to do? Rob your confidence in God. If he can rob your confidence in God, then you give up. He says, are you trusting in counsel? Which counsel? These are empty words. Listen to me. When sometimes God speaks to you, it's not empty words. We said it many times. Isaiah 55, 11 says that when his word comes, it doesn't return void. He has power. His counsel, even when it doesn't look like what the earth gives or what people of the land give, his counsel is enough for you to give you confidence through your trial. Esther had this great position. 
And so did Mordecai on his knees. You see, she was in the palace, but he was just as good a position on his knees, crying out to God. Number two, there's breakthrough in our boldness. There's breakthrough in our boldness. Mordecai, it says, called for help beyond the gate. You see, he gets to the limitation. He gets to the gate, and now he's going to cry through the gate. He's going to ask for help beyond this. So he asked for Esther's help. She's in the position to help him. Esther 4 verse 11 says this, but 30 days have passed, she said, since I was called to go to the king. Sometimes to see breakthrough, you've got to trust God. You see, she was thinking, how can I go? 30 days I've not been called. To go into the king's presence, you have to be summoned. You have to be called. It was an impossibility for her to go. She says, I've not been summoned. I've not been asked to go. How can I do what you're asking me to do? Listen to me. If you want to trust God in what he's going to do in your life, even when it looks impossible, you've got to trust him. But, 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 but no, for 30 days he's not called me. Every one of us has a but. We all have something, an excuse. We all have them. An excuse. Ah, but you don't understand. It's so difficult. It's so challenging. She said, but he hasn't called me for 30 days. How many of you know? It doesn't matter how impossible the situation is. Our God is a God of the impossible. He can break through your impossibilities. He can take you through stages. He was at a limitation of a gate, but yet God was about to work on the other side of his limitation. Behind the scenes. You see, Esther had only outer court access. She didn't have inner court access. I remember when I used to work in my company, I used to have a court tag that would give me access to lots of different rooms. And departments. But there were some places that I just couldn't get in. Because I was deactivated in certain areas. Don't know what they were hiding in there. I was always trying to look through the window. Seeing if my code tag would work to get in one day and just fool everyone. What are they doing in there? Sometimes we haven't got access. See Esther, she had a royal position. But listen to me. She didn't have the inner court access without the summon. She had the outer court access. So now she's beyond the gate, but she's still not got full access. There's always an area of faith for God to test you. There's always a limitation. There's always a limitation, even in her royal position for such a time as this. There was another level of space that she had to go beyond. And what did it require? Faith. God requires faith from you to trust him. It's never easy. So there's always a level of limitation. God positions you with room for faith. He never positions you in a very easy position that says, I'm just going to go and do this because my God's here. No, she had to operate in faith and boldness. There is only breakthrough in our boldness. Esther 4.14, Mordecai said to Esther, if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. Listen to me. You can be well positioned but silenced. You can be well positioned for God but silent. She was in a place now for such a time as this. Oh, hallelujah. Good Esther. She's in this great place positioned by God. But Mordecai comes and says, you might be in a good place, Esther, but if you remain silent, it's not going to happen. 
How many of you know you, God has put some people, I'm telling you, in places of great positions. You sometimes can't see it, but he puts you in great positions and then, he, and then the enemy tries to silence you. You can be in a great position, but silent. And what happens, he says, if you don't speak out and you don't start to operate and you don't start to become the person that I've positioned you for, what will happen? Deliverance will rise from someone else. How many of you know that if you don't start operating in the way that God's positioned you, he'll use someone else? Everyone is indispensable. We can all be used by, all be filled our spots by someone else. None of us is special enough that God needs me. You see, he puts us in positions and he's waiting. Can you fulfill what I want you to do? If you can't, then I'll choose someone else. I'm moving on. Do you know why? Because he hasn't got time to waste. For such a time as this. Esther, understand you have been positioned for this time. If you don't take this opportunity, then you will be removed. God is asking you today to operate in your place, a position. James 2.26 says, faith without works is dead. If you don't operate in your position, you won't see breakthrough. Revelation 3.16, it talks about the Laodicean church. Jesus speaks to that church. It talks about being lukewarm. Some of us sometimes we're in a good position, but we're lukewarm. You can be positioned well. Oh, yes, these, these are churches that he speaks to in Revelation. Great position, but you're lukewarm. You've got enough of Jesus in you to enjoy it to some degree, but you've got enough of the world in you to not really fully enjoy it. You're lukewarm. See, God desires hot or cold people. He says, I'd rather you be freezing cold and come crying to me again rather than being in between. Some of us need to go from that lukewarm stage of position and say, do you know what? I've got to start operating in faith again. Believing for my breakthrough. Not waste the position that God has put me in. Take advantage of your position. You see, some people sometimes don't recognize their position. They don't recognize that they are in a position that they can operate in boldness and faith. I remember years ago, someone said to me, I went to a a teaching course. They said, we're going to give you access at the Assemblies of God conference To go into the backstage green room. Does anyone understand what green room is? I'd love to know because they're never green when you get in there. (laughs) And someone said to me and a group of others, they said, when you come to the conference this year, we're going to give you backstage access. Yeah, special access. Behind the scenes. And this year, the speaker is Brian Houston of Hillsong. You get to meet Brian. I thought, wow. It's not many times you get to meet Brian Houston. So I went to the conference And I knew all along, I didn't have a specific access, but I knew that they'd given me authority to walk into the green room. How many of you know that Brian Houston does not know who I am? How many of you know that he's got no idea about me? Little old me. And so we were wandering around, wondering when when is the time to enter the green room, to walk in and use my position that's been given me, and to walk into the green room and grab a volivant, and just... You know, stand with the crowd and hope he just says, oh, there he is, Phil. I've been meaning to chat to him for a while. How's the church going in Cambridge? So I'm creeping around the door and wondering, when is my moment? I've got to meet Brian. I've got to get a a selfie. I need a selfie. Instagram, Facebook, whoa. I'm prowling around the door. 
with Emma and some of the other guys and we're trying to drag other people in as well. And then I get outside and I'm thinking, he's in there, he must be in there. I walk in, he's nowhere to be seen. The volivants were there, the chocolate biscuits were there. He ain't, he's gone out to lunch. I'd built up my moment, you see. But at, at times, I'd said in my, to myself, I don't, I'm not worthy of going in there to talk to someone like that. I'm embarrassed to go in there. Why do I need to go in there? Some of us sometimes are positioned. We've been given access. Royal position. The Bible says that you're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. Some of us have been given positions in God to operate in. And you're not doing it. Because you're saying, I'm not worthy. I, I, I'm not worthy. And, and actually, it's so difficult. It's impossible to operate in that kind of boldness. God's saying, listen to me. I can turn the hearts of kings for you. There's breakthrough in our boldness. Ephesians 5.16, Paul says this, make the best use of the time. The New King James Version says this, redeem the time. In other words, some of us need to, if we're going to talk about for such a time as this, then you've got to make the best use of your time. You've got to make the best use and redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Redeem your time. If you know your identity in Jesus You'll get boldness to break the silence. You'll get boldness to break the silence, you see. Because if the stones don't cry out, if you don't cry out, the stones are going to have to cry out. He wants you to break that place of silence. Number three and finally, there's breakthrough in our weakness. That's different to brokenness. You see, sometimes you feel so weak. You're not in a place of crying out in desperation. Now you're also feeling very weak. You ain't got the energy. You've got nothing left in you. How many knows what it feels like to be like that? You feel you're suffering. You feel weak inside. You feel like your flesh is failing. But how many of you know there's breakthrough? It doesn't matter how your flesh feels, how you're feeling. The Bible didn't tell you to feel anything. <laughs> We're all waiting. We're looking on the front, but behind the scenes, he's saying, I'm doing something in your weakness. Ephesians, uh, Esther chapter 4, 15 to 16, it says this. Esther says to Mordecai, listen to this. Go gather together all of the Jews. Now she's going to do something about it. Now she's going to operate in boldness. Who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants, listen to this, will fast as you do. Then she says this, when this is done, I will go to the king. Even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. How many of you have fasted? How many of you have cried out to God and actually brought your flesh to a place of weakness? The Bible says when you fast, if we want to get to a place of revival, we've got to start getting weak, getting fasting, crying out to God, but also letting our flesh become weak so that he can be strong. You see, what happens is this. She goes to Mordecai and says, this is the instruction. I'm going to go to the king. We're going to do this. I've understood what you said, but listen to me. And I want you to capture this. She says, before we do that, we got to fast. And I want you to fast for three days. But listen, I'm going to do it as well. How many of you know that she was in a royal position? 
She didn't just send the instruction to Mordecai. She says, I'm going to join you in the fast. So even though I'm in this place of comfort, I'm going to join you. See, it's not about how you feel in your royal position that sometimes makes you obsolete from fasting and crying out to God and becoming weak. She says, in my place, my royal position, I'm going to lower myself and we're going to fast. In fact, I ain't going to do this impossible thing until I fasted. She says, when this is done, then I will go to the king. I love this. When this is done, I will go to the king. Esther calls this three-day fast, but she wants to first go to God. Now listen to me. I don't know if you've seen this, but if you read later on, you'll find that when Esther steps in to the king's presence, what does she do before she goes in? She puts on the royal robe. Some of us today, the enemy is saying to you, don't get weak. Use your royal robe. Use your position first. But listen, before she used her natural position, she first went to God. Some of us sometimes, we want to put on the robe first. Oh no, I've got my, my own strength can do this. I don't need to pray and fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go in and I know that God does the impossible. So I'm going to put on, I'm going to put on my best face. I'm going to put on my best robe. And I'm going to enter into this problem on Monday morning. And I'm going to do this because God is a God of the impossible. I don't need to pray. I don't need to become weak. I'm going to do this all on my own because I'm strong. I'm going to make myself look good. But listen, before you put the royal robes on, get on your knees. Fast. When this is done, then I'll put the robe on. I don't know if you've noticed, this story is full about what people are wearing. He turns down the clothes. He says, no, I'm going to take the sackcloth and ashes. She says, I could have, she could say, well, I'm going to put the best robe in my wardrobe. I'm going to get the best attendants to come to me, make me look the finest person. And then I could enter into the king's court and hopefully he won't kill me if I look amazing. But No. She says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold back the robes. I'm going to stop doing what I can do in the natural. And I'm going to choose the supernatural first. I'm going to actually get on my knees, pray with you guys, so that when I go in, it's not relying on my robes. Stop relying on the natural stuff. Rely on him. And you can only get breakthrough when you become weak. Hallelujah. Some of you right now are saying, do you know what? I need a job. I've got to go into an interview. I need breakthrough. I'm going to have to go and buy a new suit. I've been there before. Put on the suit for an interview in the past. doesn't fit because I've put on a few pounds. Check it in the mirror. I'm going to have to buy a new suit just to get an interview. And I'm not sure if I'm going to get the job. Some of us sometimes, right now, we're... In positions in our lives where we need to do something. We need to get a new job. We need to trust in confidence in ourselves. And this is what Jesus is saying to you today by his spirit. He's saying, listen, don't put your trust in the best suit. Don't put your trust in what you can do. Don't put your trust in your best CV of how it looks and what's on it, your CV. Because listen to me, if you step in there, you pray first, you fast, you become weak before me, I will break through. I will do what you cannot do. 
Come on church, this is exciting. Because you don't have to rely on a Marks and Spencer suit. You don't have to rely on polished shoes, although it's a good idea. It's probably a good idea not to turn up a scruff. But listen, you don't have to rely on those things. When you're a child of God, you're in a position that the world sometimes can't see because behind the scenes God says I'm going to turn their hearts in that interview room I'm going to change the circumstances I'm going to give you what you didn't think you could have I'm going to do something so miraculous when you go and have that interview or you talk to that person that you're not going to know what's happening because all of a sudden you're going to see that things are going your way things are changing in your direction why? because you prayed and fasted before me Behind the scenes, what you do in the closed room, the private room, it says this in the Bible, you will be rewarded. When you pray, you come before me in that secret place. What you do in the secret place will be rewarded in the public place. Listen, do you know something? The world doesn't have this. And we can sit here going, oh, this is amazing. But listen to me. You've got to start walking out of here today and saying, do you know what? I'm not living in what I can see. I've got faith in the unseen. When I'm in that interview and things that doesn't look like it's going well, listen, if God shuts the door, let him shut it. I always tell people come to me, they said, there's some doors being shut. I said, good. I'm glad they have been shut. If you've prayed and fasted, then he'll shut them. You could wish your life away. But, but, but you don't understand that the wage was amazing. I don't care about the wage. I care about you. Because God might be calling you to something bigger and better. And all you're interested in is the wage. Listen. Trust Him. Let Him shut, slam in your face the doors. Rejoice. Rejoice when the door gets shut. Go home and sing, put your best worship music on and say, I'm rejoicing because my door has been shut. I'm rejoicing because things ain't going well for me. I'm rejoicing. You come to church, you give a testimony in the front and say, Pastor, I want to give a testimony. I want to give a testimony because I didn't get the job. I, praise the Lord. There was a lady in our church many years ago. So long, She's not here with us now. Lovely woman. Every time that she, she was a little hard of hearing and every time the pastor would say anything in the church, whether it was bad news, someone had died or anything, she said, praise you Jesus. She couldn't really hear, but listen, sometimes we're going to be like that. Whatever happens in our lives, praise you Jesus. Oh God, I praise you. We sung a song last week. It is well with my soul. Some of us have got to say, you know what? It's well with my soul. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.